Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a career development podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, looking to change your perspective, or just rediscover your why. I am your host, Harsha Boralesa, and this podcast came about from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. In each episode, I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them about their career journey, their real life experiences, and to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I hope that their stories will inspire you to take a fresh look at your career and assist you on your path to a more successful and fulfilling career. Hello, this is Harsha Boralesa speaking from my home in London, and thank you so much to all of you who are listening, and welcome to my new podcast, Reframe and Reset Your Career. This episode will be slightly different from the others to follow, as I wanted to talk to you about why I set up the podcast, what the podcast is about, and some background about me. I am a complete novice to the podcast game, and just did not think that I had the talent to host one. However, during lockdown last year, a good friend of mine, Lindsay Stewart, celebrated his 20-year anniversary at one of the big accounting firms, and he kindly asked me to interview him for a podcast to mark the milestone. I have to admit that I was a little apprehensive, but we had such a great time recording the interview and received some positive feedback, and this was the initial spark to start me thinking about hosting a podcast. I am not a professional career coach, My background is in finance, and I have worked for over 15 years in front office and advisory roles in investment banking, the big four accounting firms, and investment management. However, probably similar to many of you, my career path has not been linear or smooth. There have been a number of peaks and troughs. Even though I've worked hard, achieved some good qualifications, I have been through periods where I have struggled to find the right job and sometimes have felt stuck and dissatisfied even when employed. This brought up two thoughts. Is there a smarter, more strategic way to approach career development, as sometimes working harder is simply not enough? And is there a way of creating a more systematic approach to the whole process? This started me on my journey to understanding and developing skills and strategies to assist the job search process, but also helping career progression once we're employed. One of the practical ways I did this was by volunteering for the last two years for the CFA UK Soft Skills Working Group, and I've helped organise a number of events and webinars on a range of topics from public speaking, changing habits, to improving productivity. I've also become fascinated by neuroscience and psychology and was introduced to concepts such as mindset, neuroplasticity and habit creation through wonderful seminars by Lucy Whitehall, a positive psychologist, and Dr. Gabia Tolikita, a neuroscientist. I was intrigued by the notion that our brains are similar to those of our ancestors on the plains of Africa thousands of years ago. However, the life and death threats that our ancestors faced are very different from those that we face today. It made me think that if we are able to gain a better understanding of our brains and understand why we do the things that we do, it may help us to understand ourselves more 
and provide insights as to how, how we might change. For my first episode, which is available now, I had the immense pleasure of interviewing Dr. Gabia Tolakita, who was one of the people who helped inspire my passion and interest in neuroscience. Gabia is a neuroscientist, lecturer, and performance and well-being coach, and the author of Why the F Can't I Change? Sorry, I, I always find it quite amusing saying that title. We had a fascinating discussion on a range of topics, including the process of forming new habits, the decision-making process, motivation versus inspiration, procrastination, and the characteristics of a good leader. As a bonus, Gabia also gave fascinating insights into personal relationships and an insight into why potentially we choose the partners that we do. For my second episode, I was equally fortunate to have Dr. Christian Bush, the author of The Serendipity Mindset, The Art and Science of Creating Good Luck, as my guest. Christian directs the CGA Global Economy Program at New York University, NYU, and teaches on purpose-driven leadership, entrepreneurship, emerging markets, and social innovation at NYU and at the London School of Economics, where he gained his PhD and master's. We had such a great talk, and Christian talked about building genuine, non-transactional relationships, the process of creating opportunities for serendipity, the importance of resilience, and also following his passion to write his book. Rather than simply talking you through my career, I wanted to touch on some events and themes which I feel have had a massively significant impact on my life and my career. Firstly, there's playing sport, which in my case was cricket, and that played a huge role in my life from the age of seven when my father introduced me to the game. I had some talent, picked up the game quite quickly, and when I was nine, I was recommended to the junior team of Middlesex, which is one of England's professional teams. I played for Middlesex and subsequently Essex, from the under-11 to the under-19 sides, and was lucky enough to play a couple of Essex second team matches, which is essentially the lowest level of professional cricket. You really can't get much lower. But I was actually paid for one. So technically, I was a professional cricketer, albeit with a very short career at the lowest level possible. However, I did play with and against a number of players who went on to play internationally for England and also, strangely enough, for New Zealand. I was never quite able to work that out. But I was able to observe the hard work and the mental strength required to make it as a pro. Cricket also taught me a number of very important life lessons, which I, w- I found I was able to apply to my professional c- career after cricket. Firstly, there's motivation. Now, where does that motivation come from to keep working hard and achieving good results, whether it's in the sporting field or in the business environment? I think it has to come from a genuine place and not simply from success, fame, or money. And I think it's really important to find out one's why, and what is the inspiration that pushes or pushes you. I found in cricket, I actually really enjoyed the whole process. I, I loved the game. I enjoyed the practicing element. I enjoyed the process. So for me, it was quite easy to work on my game myself. 
And also, I suppose, in the working environment, it's just figuring out what is it that motivates you to succeed. Then there's resilience and dealing with failure. Now, especially in sport, there's a lot of losing and there's a lot of failure. And you have to learn to deal with the pressure. So it's it's a really a question of figuring out, okay, this is going to happen. There is going to be some failure. Things are not always going to go in this linear way. But you have to think, I have to keep going. I have to keep persevering. And it could be the same thing at work. Maybe you want to get that promotion. It doesn't work out. You really have to figure out, okay, be resilient, keep showing up, work hard and work more intelligently. Hopefully things will improve. Then there's self-confidence. Especially in sport, it's so difficult to succeed if you have a negative mindset. So sometimes if you're not feeling great, you almost have to fake it to make it. You almost have to believe that I'm going to do well today. And and sometimes when somebody's coming at you, um, and I was a batsman, and they're bowling at 80 miles an hour and trying to knock your head off, you have to figure out how can I be courageous and stand up to this person even though I don't really feel like it today and that's something you just learn and and also in the business world I think sometimes maybe you're going into a presentation or a meeting and it's it's going to be hard you just have to front up and appear to be self-confident even if you're not then there's teamwork and especially in the sporting environment when you're when you're in a team of 11 or 15 people you're you're not all going to get on with each other they're going to be massively different personalities. And it's just a question of figuring out how you learn to deal with everybody and think about the objective of the overall team, the common goal, and just figure out how you can work with each other. And I think that very much happens in the working environment as well. And then there's finally gratitude. I finished playing high-level cricket when I was 19. But fortunately, I was in, I was still at university and I was able to move into another career. I, I never thought that cricket was realistically going to be a career for the whole of my life. But this was not the case for a number of my teammates. And it made me realise the importance of being fully committed and making the most of all the opportunities that I was given in life after cricket. Another interesting aspect that I picked up from my working career is the whole idea of standing out from the crowd. How do you distinguish yourself from other people? And this really struck me when I, I started in my first job um, uh, as an accountant. I started at uh, Ernst Young, EY, as an auditor with over 150 graduate trainees from the top universities in the UK. And we were all ambitious and determined to succeed. And it just made me think, how can I stand out and differentiate myself from this crowd of people who are incredibly intelligent and incredibly talented? Now, I saw that EY had a number of Japanese clients, and I was quite good at languages, so I started learning Japanese in an evening class outside work. I also saw how important a knowledge of derivatives and financial products were to work in the financial services industry or banking sector. So I started attending internal EY courses to try to increase my knowledge base and my experience. Ironically, Neither of these initiatives led directly to a promotion, pay rise, or an internal move, but I did get to enjoy some quite nice Japanese food with the other people on my course. However, I did find out that EY ran Japanese classes, and I started attending these, because I found out they were free, and I was a poor accounting student, so this was a massive result for me. 
Fortuitously, the attendees at these lessons were senior staff in the tax department, and I was able to impress them, as my Japanese was slightly better than theirs. Not a great deal, though. I formed a friendship with them, which led to a secondment, and then a permanent move into tax, where I stayed for the rest of my time at EY and really enjoyed it. I suppose a key takeaway for myself from this is that it's really important to keep improving yourself, whether it's extra qualifications or skills. Sometimes it's really difficult to see the benefit in the short term, but I I do think upskilling and improving yourself, it will always pay off in some sort of way. So I think it's really important personally to think of the long game and not be so focused on those short wins because things will, will eventually pay off. Now, I found that much of my career progression has been based on being authentic and trying to build relationships based on having common interests with the other person rather than simply being transactional and seeing what is it I can get out of them. I think people are very clever about seeing through insincere or fake people and it just annoys them, I think. So just try and be yourself. Now, I really like the the renowned psychologist um, Robert Cialdini, who's the author of that famous book, Influence. And he talks about commonalities and the importance of finding shared links when meeting someone for the first time. I think this is where small talk is very important, as you'll always find something in common if you make an effort to speak to somebody. But I think some people either find it hard work or they're just scared and they don't like to reveal too much about themselves. Fortunately for me, I love to talk probably a bit too much. It's something I get from my mother. But I'm also trying to improve my listening skills rather than just trying to talk at people. Furthermore, my move into banking, that that came through this relationship building. I had been trying to move into banking for a while. And although I had been interviewing and getting through to the second, third and final rounds, I was not able to land the job that I really wanted. I'd kept in touch with a former colleague who had also moved into banking. He had heard about an job opportunity but was unable to take it and then told me about it. I interviewed, managed to make it through the endless rounds of interviews and fortunately secured that job. And and the other thing I think is is interesting that I found is that it's, it's important to and helpful to build relationships outside your direct network as sometimes it's those second order contacts who might have that key piece of information or they might know something about a potential job. So I think you know, for, for me personally, when I'm building my network, I try to think about the long term and also think how we are both going to benefit and also just think about having a, a pleasant conversation with somebody. Um, when you're speaking to your friends, you're not always thinking about how can I get something from them? Well, I, I hope you're not anyway. But I, I think it's really important just to think, how can we both benefit? And I think in life, it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. I think there is there's a big pie there. How can we both benefit and how can we both um, do well? I really do think that's important. And then the final theme, which I find fascinating, is luck. And that's why it was amazing to talk to Christian Bush about his book, The Serendipity Mindset. Luck has played such a huge role in my life. Firstly, I was fortunate that my parents are doctors and they believed hugely in education. 
and I was lucky to be educated at a great, great school and subsequently went to the London School of Economics. I was also very lucky that my parents introduced me to cricket because that's a game that has done so much for me and just taught me so many life lessons and actually given me a huge amount of confidence because one, I enjoyed it and I was reasonably good at it. And I think if you find something that you love and you're good at and you enjoy, then I think that does help give you confidence and and self-belief. We all like to think that we are the masters of our destiny, but sometimes there are things which are just simply beyond our control. And from my perspective, I think the key key thing is not to dwell on bad luck. It is going to happen to you in life, but unfortunately there is just nothing you can do about it sometimes. It's a numbers game and you just have to keep believing and keep going on. And I do believe that good things will eventually happen to you. Say if you're applying for jobs, you might be lucky and get it in your first few applications, or it could be that you have to apply 100 times or even 200 times. But ultimately, all you need is just one job offer. After university, when I was applying for jobs with accounting firms, I was good enough to make it to the interview stage, but kept messing up the interviews. And I was getting really quite worried because I thought I was interviewing well, but there was clearly a difference of opinion with my potential future employers, who certainly did not have that opinion. It was quite sad as I had even work shadowed with a couple of them and I was really quite devastated when I did not get those jobs because I could really see my my future with those um, with those firms. I was becoming worried as I was simply not getting any traction with any of the accounting firms. However, I did manage to gain an interview with EY, which was essentially my last chance to gain a training contract with one of the big accounting firms. So there was a lot of pressure that day. The EY interview was a half-day session, which consisted of lunch, an IQ test, and the interview. At the lunch, you had a chance to mix with the other candidates and the EY staffers who would be conducting the interviews. Over lunch, which was actually pretty good, I managed to create a great rapport with the EY staffer who who would end up interviewing me. When it came to my interview which seemed no better or worse than any of my previous interviews, I think that the rapport that I had built with my interviewer helped tremendously. And the interview went just incredibly well. And I managed to get through that interview and the IQ test and onto the second interview, which I passed and eventually secured a job with EY. So I think luck is something that you just can't control but it's really how you react to that bad luck that helps you to progress. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. I hope you have enjoyed learning more about me and why I started my podcast. If you would like to listen to more episodes, please consider subscribing to the podcast, which will be available on your favorite providers and subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this podcast, please take a look at the show notes which are available online. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks once again for listening and I do hope that you will join me in the future.